there was no way to pinpoint where I was. And these people would magically find me somehow. Coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. A conversation about the great and sometimes not so great outdoors. I'm your host, Lynn Melling. And I'm Jody Gruen. And we do this for fun. And it's Jody, and we are here today with Emily Ford. And I'm just going to pause because I'm a fangirl. I'm so excited yes. to have this woman join us. Um, but what I must say um, beforehand is I didn't quite know how to introduce you. So what I wanted to do is go on your Instagram, and I did. And so I'm just going to repeat what I'm reading here, and then I'm going to add a few things. So on your Instagram, it says Gardener through hiker, Duluth woman, granite gear groundskeeper, hiker trash, goat enthusiast, we're going to need to talk about that, POC, LGBTQ+, and what I would like to add to this is humble explorer, role model, and the first woman to complete the winter through hike of the Ice Age Trail. And with that, we welcome you Emily Ford. We are not worthy. (laughs) No, it's all right. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Welcome. We are so excited. So let's start maybe first things first, Ice Age Trail. So for people who are not familiar, what in the world is this? What does it entail? And why did you decide to do it? Right. Yeah. That's such a good question because it's funny. I didn't even know what it was before I started doing it. And actually, you know, I really didn't know what I was doing while I was doing it now that I think about it because nobody really knows that trail at all. So to break it down, I guess it is a 1200-ish mile trail that really wiggles its way through Wisconsin. Like you, you can, st- the way I started was on the northeast side, then you go south for a little bit, then you go north for a little bit, then you go south for just a hair, and then you go north, <laughs> and then you go west for the rest of your time. It's like you literally wiggle. You get like 60 miles away from Illinois. Like wow. You pretty much hike down to Illinois, <laughs> and then like <laughs> come back up again, and then hike over to Minnesota. Um, it's 1,200 miles long. It's not a fully complete trail, so there is quite a bit of road walking on it. Um, and... Uh, well, I did it in the winter. I get laid off for three months in the winter. Um, and I love backpacking, but so I'm a gardener uh, for a living. And it's like being a farmer that like, you can't just go and leave for months at a time. Mm-hmm. And when I get laid off in the winter, it's like this perfect moment to really go and do anything I want. So like some, so most cool. winters, I like most winters I get a job. Uh, but this winter I was like, I'm going to go hiking. And so that's why the winter came. I know it seems crazy, but it does kind of, I'm not going to lie. Um, but, but it's so inspiring. So how cold did it get you? So you're out there 1200 miles in the winter time. Like, what are you, where are you sleeping? How cold is it? Like what, how do you function? Yeah. Like some stats. Um, (laughs) we'll start with the warmest temperature because the temperature really fluctuated. Um, some, a couple, several days it got up in the fifties. So I was pretty much hiking in my long underwear and other days it was down in the negative twenties, negative thirties. Oh my gosh. We had two weeks of really cold weather. It's more like 10 days. And it like, just, we never saw above zero. And oh at night my gosh. it was getting just like fiercely cold. So 
some night, most nights, um, I slept outside in a tent, um, and just with a sleeping bag and a couple of sleeping pads and changing my clothes, of course, so that my clothes weren't wet. Um, and then other nights, especially when it got really cold, there were so many lovely people along this trail that allowed for me and then Diggins to stay with the dog that I took with me to stay, um, in their home. And like, they fed us and just like all this other oh. stuff and like gave us like showers, let us wash like clothes and stuff. Um, and like, that's a really cool part about the ice age trail as well is like, they've developed these, tra- because it goes across so far, they've like curated these, um, trail communities. And huh. so there's like trail angels, there's like literally a list of trail angels for this trail that are like woven in. And it's super awesome. Cause if you're in trouble anywhere, you can literally, if you have you know access or you, you know, took a screenshot or printed a list of trail angels, you can call on them and I would say like 99% of the time, like they will come out and help you with whatever you need. Wow. So these are actual people, not fairies right. that come <laughs> onto the trail. I don't know. And... Sometimes it's pretty magical. <laughs> <laughs> and do people leave you things also, or is it oh. just like, they just allow you into their homes or. No, totally. Like so like people left me like more than just food. They left me like socks, hand warmers, um, like I, my, my sock game, like increased so greatly <laughs> after this trip, like people were leaving me like Merino wool socks left oh, and right. Nice. And I was like, yes, thank you. There was <laughs> nice. a point on the trail where I had seven pairs of socks in my pack and wow. I did not care. I was like, you know how many, you know how many like ultra light through hikers are just screaming at me right now. And I was yeah. like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so how did, they, how did they know you were coming? Is there like somebody that's like you see on the trail and they call up ahead to the next people down the trail to say, Hey, there's someone on the way. Look, who's to say? <laughs> like, honestly, you're magical, Lynn. It, this is, I'm telling you, it was like people had such, so I didn't use anything like Strava. So Strava is like, uh, maybe you guys have talked about it here before, but like Strava is like a, a lot of uh, runners use it. A lot of ultra athletes use it. Um, and it, it, it will track you, your GPS and you, okay. it's, a, it's an app on a phone. You can use, I think you can use like your Garmin watch or like your Apple watch to track with as well. Um, so I didn't use anything like Strava. So I, there was no way to pinpoint where I was. And these people would magically find me somehow. Wow. And I have no idea. That's yeah, incredible. It was, yeah. it was nuts. Yeah. So your story has like captured, I mean, you've, so this trick, this trek being the first woman to complete it has captured like national attention. You've been featured on a lot, in a lot of places. Um, so you clearly you've inspired some people. What, what, what do you think is behind all of the excitement around what you accomplished? You know, so I think like, I, I think it's evolved a little bit, right? So when I started, um, I think people got really excited a, because they were bored. A lot of people were in their houses because it was like really the time of COVID. <laughs> and the other thing is that I, I'd, before I left, Minnesota was like going through and still is going through this just like turmoil of like pr- police brutality uh, towards people of color. And um, I've said this multiple times other places, but I'll just say it again. Like I just, I like didn't know my place and like how to be helpful. Cause I'm, I'm really not much of a protester. I'm not like, not really like one to like 
be shouting and fighting and all this other stuff like vocally and you know and and, and be there presently with my body um in public and i think that people who do that are fantastic my sister is kind of in that realm of people and so like i i finally felt like i found my place to speak up for people of color like in in the outdoors and i think people really latched onto that and it turned in you know not only for people of color but like lgbtq folks um women especially who are like learning to be their beautifully independent selves um and and people who identify as women who are getting to know themselves as a woman and so i think people latch onto that and then it just became this fun story and then you had the dog lovers who like fell in yes. love with diggins right away they're like <laughs> you part of this dog which is super cool so like all these different people kind of globbed onto it um and i felt like all that together kind of finally made the final statement of what I've been saying the whole time is I firmly believe that everybody has a place outdoors, that we don't own the outdoors. We don't own the air that we breathe or the soil that we walk on. And so I think people just latched onto that. Um, and I'm hoping that people still remember that, even though, you know, we're experiencing 80 degree weather days here in Duluth, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not freezing anymore. I have a question about that. Um, so with that idea of like not exactly knowing your place, did you set out to do this to try to make a statement or was this a personal, I mean, I mean, were you doing any work ahead of time to kind of, I'm going to be doing this. I want to get some national attention for this or did it just sort of find you organically? Oh, it was ultra organic. Oh, really? It was like, Totally. So the way I found out about this trail was like the summer before I was out playing volleyball and I knew that I wanted, I already had a job set up for that winter. So I could, there was nothing I could do that winter. But like I knew I've always wanted to like hike a bunch of miles, you know, and like, I've always wanted to do it in the winter time. Um, for some reason, I just like winter. And, um, so a buddy of me, a buddy of mine told me about it and I was like, sweet, that's what I'm going to do. Like it just, there was no, I was like purely selfishly doing it for myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I was just like, this sounds great. I love backpacking. Let's just take this trip. Let's backpack in the winter. Um, and it really wasn't until like, like September that I like finally realized that maybe something could be made out of this, but still I just like threw some stuff out there. My partner like helped me raise some funds to like get some more gear. And then I just set out and I don't know. I only opened up my phone like once a week to check my social and like to mm -hmm. post. And like all of a sudden, like the first week, a thousand people were following my trip. And I was like, oh, good. <laughs> no pressure. Where did all these people come from? <laughs> How'd you find me? And then it really just, it just really grew from there. And a lot more people, you know, started to identify a bit more with it and maybe not identify with it as much, but still think it's a neat adventure. Yeah. Do you feel then a responsibility then as you move forward in life to be the steward of the outdoors and like a wilderness equity kind of figurehead? The pressure is like, finally, the pressure was very, very high because I'm new. I'm very new to Instagram. Um, <laughs> I like literally started my Instagram like a month before I left. And so I am getting used to that. And the pressure is like lowering because I'm, I'm, it's been so nice to chat with and, and watch other people's Instagrams that are, um, you know, that are outdoor, you know, representatives for people of color and like just learning that, like, you can let it, you can let the pressure be there and try to be something that you're not, 
or you can just let people see your life as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, you know, and at the end of the day, it does, I, I don't, you know, I don't get paid to have a bunch of followers. Like it's not, there's really no benefit to me. Like, you know, it's not like I'm magically, you know, whatever. So if people decide to stop following my story, it, the, it, it, it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it, it did it, that wasn't my initial like heart response. I, I did feel like I need to now be this person, like all these <laughs> yeah. other people. <laughs> So have you heard from, because this is something Jody and I talk about a lot, is the the outdoors, there's not a lot of inclusion, you know, diversity, you know, people of color are kind of left out of the conversation, you know, like you see ads, I mean, it's such, um, it just seems like kind of this exclusive um, thing that, that isn't as accessible to people of color or do you, are you optimistic or what do you think needs to change to, to make it more inclusive? So everyone feels welcome outside that everyone feels like outdoor adventure is accessible to them. For sure. Yeah. I, I feel hopeful. Um, I know that I'm, and I'm hoping that what brands are starting to do isn't just a fad. Um, I know that some brands are, you know, trying to be more um, just diverse with their marketing material. I'm hoping it's not just a, a phase, though. Um, and and there are there are a lot of people of color who are outdoors, and that's you know, you might just have to look a little harder. <laughs> That's the yeah. thing. You know, they may not be the people on the cover of yeah. outdoor like climbers or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they they're definitely are, like I follow a whole bunch of people of color and they all like they, like some of our are like expedition folks, people who are rock climbing, people who are cycling, people who are ultra marathoners and like all this stuff. And they're they're out there. Um it's kind of it's it's kind of like um you see what you want to see. So sometimes yeah. you gotta go looking for it. Yeah. So yeah. But I, I mean, I agree. And, and the thing is, is like, you know, I think we're, we, we really are going, we're making steps because we're really going from like scene zero people marketed, you know, people of color being like on brands mm-hmm. to seeing a few more. And so even seeing a few, it, 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 I'm hoping that it'll be like an exponential response from the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. Cause we always talk about this thing of like, when you're not represented with a brand or like when you're not, like when you don't see yourself on a Patagonia like cover, you think like rich white people can only afford Patagonia stuff. Like you don't know, like you would never know that they have like a a garage, like a garage sale pretty much like REI does, like where they have like used and repaired clothing that you can buy for Mm -hmm. cheaper. Like there's these other things that these brands are are doing and you would never know that because you only see like this wealthy looking white person on, on the cover. And so I'm hoping that, you know, people who see that it'll just build exponentially. So yeah. We'll see. yeah, But we'll see what happens because, you know, like I said, I don't want it to be a fad. You know, I don't want to just, I don't want, um, I don't want the ball. I don't want to put my hope in a, in a big brands marketing scheme. Yeah. I want to put my hope in people who are doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like what you're doing has meant a lot to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard from other um, women or girls or, you know, like, especially I'm, I'm always so curious about young people um, and 
the inspiration that someone who's just, you're not very old, you know, a little bit <laughs> older and doing something so monumental. Have you heard from any young people about kind of how they see what you've done and accomplished? Yeah, I don't really, it's, it's funny because I don't really ask people's ages when they respond to me on Instagram. I'm assuming some of these people are like younger than me. Um, or, or it's me. I'm just pretending. <laughs> it's just Jody. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she's talking to me today again. That's awesome. Yes. You know, so I don't, I don't know how, I don't know the age of these people, but um, I've definitely gotten some cool responses from, I got like a bunch of like handwritten letters from a lot of elementary kids, a lot of Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, I'm, I know I'm making an impact in their lives, but I really hope I'm making an impact in their parents' lives. Yeah. Because they're the ones who, you know, like, like my life has been shaped by the people who helped raise me, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, my mom got me out in the garden. My grandparents got me out working with my hands, you know, like all these things. Like my, my childhood best friend, her parents brought me to Boundary Waters for the first time when we were just little kids. And like without those experiences, you know, where would I would have I I don't know where I it would I would just be a different person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm hoping I've I've gotten a few messages back from parents, and that's always really fun. Yeah. You know? I think you're totally right on that though. I mean, and Lynn and I have talked about that too. It's just like if you can get moms, especially, to love being outside and like mm-hmm. care less about hair and makeup and the right yeah. clothes. That's and, one you of know, the whatever. reasons we started this podcast yeah. is for that exact reason. Yeah. It's just to let go of some of the just BS that, you know, these societal expectations and get out and enjoy your life and show your kids what is out there. Because yeah. in the end, like them spending more time outside and off their screens is going to be way better for them than, you know, watching movies and then playing video games and watching a movie again. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think, I think a lot of um, spending time in the outdoors too really shows you that it's okay to make a mistake. Yeah. I I think that when we watch, like when you scroll all day long and like watch TikTok and Instagram Mm -hmm. and like reels and like all this stuff and like watch, like we're streaming something like you just see these curated lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like nature is super messy but it's, yes. like, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful because yeah. it's so messy, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it has, it has a, it has a cycle that works, right? So there's like life and there's death and it's ugly and it's ravenous, but like it all just works together. And you would never know that that's how life is meant to be if you don't see it for yourself. So yeah. I really, yeah, I hope that people are getting their little kids out and you know, what have you. But you this talk- is, I just want to put a, I just want to throw a caveat out there. Like I am not a mother. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so I'm we really are. From yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah. I would love to dive a little bit further into that, just about like nature and, and what it does for you, how it makes you tick. Cause that's another reason you know, Jody and I starting this podcast is trying to help people understand like nature is just, it's fuel for the soul and it, it's such an important part of our lives. So what is it about nature? And and you kind of talked about it a little bit just now, like the rhythm of nature. And, but I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Like it's, I think it's a great question that you're asking. I think there's the thing of like, it's so, it's so hard to describe to somebody, you know, I don't really like the blind. I don't like the blind person um, comparison. Like, Oh, how do you describe the beautiful world to a blind person? I'm like, well, Blind people probably think the world is beautiful, or, but they just experience it in a different sure. way. Yeah. So that's a really bad comparison, but that's where I was going to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> because um, 
when I, like when I'm out backpacking, especially like a long distance, like it just feels, it just feels right. Yeah. Like I, I just know that I'm, I was once a part of all of this, yeah. you know, like my ancestors spent all their time outside and I can like, when I'm out there, I can just like feel it, hmm. you know? And it's a very, I think it's a really human thing. And we've, we've just kind of evolved so much away from it a little bit mm-hmm. yeah. that we like forget that's where we're supposed to be. I forget all the time. I love sitting on my couch and watching Netflix all day long, <laughs> but when I'm, but when I'm out in it, it's just like the sounds are so, so like this might be a good anecdote, I guess, but like at home, I have a really hard time sleeping if there's any sound. Um, mm. I, I like, I like wake up and I can't get back to sleep and anything like that. But like when I'm out sleeping outside, if there's like animals running around or like owls are so freaking, owls are so, you know, like they just hoot all night. Let's say they never go to bed, (laughs) but like, even if they're hooting all night long or like the wolves are howling or coyotes are yipping, like I can just like (laughs) fall into sleep. Mm. You know, there's just like that thing where I'm like, this is just, it's okay. It's right. You know? So I don't yeah. know. That's how I'm with loons. I hear loons and I just, they just lull me to, <laughs> yeah, just sure. lull me to sleep. That's only in the summertime though here. So yeah. <laughs> raindrops, I'm hearing oh, some yes. outside my window right now and I'm yeah. just feeling a little extra calm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to ask kind of, I mean, you're kind of talking about, you know, this difference of sleeping indoors versus maybe out or whatever, but what, how you've been able to mesh. I mean, it sounds like you, you know, you're a gardener by career And then you do this, you know, these amazing, um, you know, hikes and you spend a lot of time outdoors. How those two lives sort of mesh? It's hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard. It's so, it's like, I'm so tired after work, (laughs) you know, it's crazy. Um, But yeah, that's, I think that's partially why I love my job so much is because, um, well, I don't know if, if people know where Glenshine. I'm, I'm the head gardener at Glenshine, which is a little, not a little house. <laughs> <laughs> That's so exciting. It's, it's actually, a, it's, a, it's a very big house. In my, my mom and daughter and I are planning a tour of it in a couple of weeks. So we might stop by and say hi. We're so excited. Do it. Do it. <laughs> so yeah, I work at Glenshine and it's, it is on Lake Superior. Like it is yeah. practical. I mean, they have a boathouse in the water. So like it's on Lake Superior. And like when I got back from my trip, like. I did not realize that the thing I missed the most besides my partner and my dog here is seeing like, so like Lake Superior just like has this thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It does. Um, yes. And so I think that, you know, working on the lake, just like it helps just like mesh my working life and like my like affinity towards the outdoors really well. So I have, a, I have a lot of appreciation for that lake. <laughs> so oh, then man. do you, do you ever even feel a grind of work? I mean. Totally. Because oh, you do? Okay. Any, I mean, any, any, I love my job. I don't think I, fe- I don't think I feel like, like office workers do. That's the thing. Right. I don't think I feel it in the, in the same way as people who work indoors all the time. Um, but I mean, there are things that I have to get done that I don't like to do at my job. And so, and yeah, especially like at the end of the year, we have to put up Christmas lights. We have to decorate all the grounds. <laughs> when Christmas rolls around, I'm just like, I hate Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> How about dealing with ghosts? I I've never had to deal with any. I think uh-huh. any any ghosts in the building that I work in, which is the gardener's cottage, I think they're pretty. I don't think they have any um, 
animosity towards the living. Uh, okay, it's super good. nice. I cannot speak for the rest of the buildings. <laughs> other people have stories, and I think that you know they're all in the other buildings, so I don't even pay attention to their ghosts because I'm like, I'm never in your buildings after hours. <laughs> and maybe you're just like that good and righteous human being that no ghost is going to bu- mess with you. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're so, making. <laughs> you're inspiring too many people if if they if they they do i'll just know it's the gardener the old gardener being like why are you screwing up my gardens man (laughs) (laughs) that's supposed to be that's supposed to be a perennial not an annual come on (laughs) (laughs) oh your color palette sucks (laughs) do you have anything um else planned that you can tell us about yeah so this winter I just got done messaging them again. I want to partner with the Boundary Waters and I want to do, there's some really cool trails that border the Boundary Waters and go through for a little bit. And I would love to dig into myself up there for a couple, maybe, I don't know, maybe about a hundred miles. And then maybe I'm trying to decide if I want to hop onto the Superior Hiking Trail and just hike home. (laughs) Wow. Um, So, you know, a maximum of like 500 miles, but a minimum of like a hundred miles. Wow. In the winter again. Yeah. In the winter. Yeah. Wow. Just really experience some really good wilderness and fight for land. That's not again, that people yeah. think they own yeah. that yeah. they don't own and really fight to keep it clean and safe and wild and clear. All right. Well, we are going to take a really, really quick break. And when we come back, the top tip from Emily Ford. We Do This For Fun is supported by 515 Productions, a high-end video production business based in Minneapolis. The website is 515productions.com. And did you know that Jody is also a health and wellness coach? Check out her website at jodygruen.com. If you like this podcast, we'd love your support. Please rate and review us and hit subscribe. Learn more about us at wedothisforfun.com. Ford, who is just such an inspiration in so many ways. And she is going to give us a top tip on how to just kind of follow her, you know, follow her rhythm. What do you got for us? I, yeah, I, I love this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a good way to like make this metaphorical, but I think it'll come out as a, as I go. So my, one of the top tip that I had to use on my trip was always change your clothes. Okay. And and don't be stubborn about it. And I mean by change your clothes is while you're hiking, right? So even if you don't feel like you're sweating in the winter time, when you go to bed, you have got to change into dry clothes every time. Even when you're scared to take off your clothes because it's cold outside <laughs> or you're too tired to always, always, always change your clothes and bring extra socks with you. Because the first pair of socks that you change into are going to be wet because your feet are sweaty still. So change into one more pair of socks before you go to bed. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I don't know if that's indicative of, of life or not. Well, maybe I'll make it a stretch of, you know, do the things you have to do to get the thing done. No matter how scary it is or how, um, how big it seems, uh, it, it's going to be worth it. And I 
there was one time on my trip I uh I refused to de-layer during the daytime. And I I knew I was being dumb during the day. And it was going to be one of my coldest nights at night. It got down to like negative 23 or negative 25. So I had all my layers on while I was hiking. And I I used some of my day layers to sleep in um, because they're usually my shells, my outer stuff. And I was hiking and I could, I was curling my, I was sitting there and I put my elbows on my, on my legs and I lifted my arms and I looked at my bicep and water was pouring out of my jacket. I I had sweat so much. So I sweat through my coats. Wow. And when I got into camp that night, um, I was eating dinner and whatever. And I like put my layers on and I was like, Oh my gosh, my, all my pants are wet. So I was like, I was like, well, I have one pair of long underwear I can sleep in. I have my pairs of socks, which is fine. But my top layers were all just soaked pretty much. And I got into my sleeping bag thinking it'll be fine. And I couldn't fall asleep because I was so cold. My coat had started melting inside my sleeping bag. And so I had to take off my jacket. I had to take off all my other wet clothes that had gotten wet during the day. And the only thing that was dry was like my wind coat, my wind coat. And like, I I have a fleece that I wear to bed, but it's not super thick. And I had a pair of long underwear. Oh my gosh. On the top. And, um, it was, I slept, I don't know how many hours, but it was very cold. Um, and I was miserable and I was, it was because I was too stubborn to do the thing I Mm. I needed to just get done and just do. I didn't want to stop and take off. I didn't want to stop and rest. I didn't want to stop and de-layer my clothes. I didn't want to do the right thing ever for myself and treat myself well. And, uh, yeah. That was that was the result. And it was a very long night. So I woke up the next day and my pants were frozen stiff and my jacket was frozen stiff. I could have probably stood them up in the snow. Oh no. And they would have just been there because they were full of my sweat from the day before. So be gentle with yourself and rest and do the thing you need to do. <laughs> I really like that. I, I mean, there's so many of us can use that advice because we, yeah. you know, just keep on plowing through life without stopping and caring for ourselves and paying attention and and deal with things mm-hmm. that's I just needed to I just needed to deal with the thing <laughs> you know and I it really caught up to me really quickly because it could have been it could have been very dangerous it could have been extremely yeah. dangerous it could have derailed your whole trip I could have gotten sick and or could have died in if anything would have really just been slightly off anymore mm. yeah. just from wow. hypothermia <laughs> Yep. I like that. I like that you're still alive. Me yes. too. <laughs> I like that that's your top tip and you'll never make that error or mistake. And maybe the rest of us won't either as we're just even going through our daily life and yeah. recognizing when we're tired to rest. Yeah. Take, yeah. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, this has just been amazing. How, where can people find you? So listeners who are just dying to see your pictures and learn more about you, where can they find you? For sure. Yeah. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily on trail. That's what will be right now. It's a lot of right now. It's currently pictures of, of Diggins. So the dog I borrowed for my trip, um, we ended up adopting her, which is super awesome. Um, she's a sled dog. And so she, we're, we're experiencing a lot of firsts right now. So she mm. just had her first bath a couple of days ago. Oh, and she's very, fl- I didn't know she was so fluffy. She's very huh. cute and fluffy. Do you not wash sled dogs? Uh, I don't think they really wash their dogs Oh, because there's usually so many of them and they lay outside all day anyway. Don't, I'm not actually a musher, but I'm assuming not many of them do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that sounds right. 
Today was her first vet visit, and she oh, passed wow. with flying colors. So, <gasps> so you have a spoiled sled dog. <laughs> I don't a care. very pampered one. Uh, Look, you, did you not just hear me say about 20 minutes ago that I am not a parent to any child? <laughs> as much as I want. <laughs> Does Diggins have um, TikTok then? Doing like so on TikTok account? And I wish, I wish, I wish she did. I. I, again, like I said before, I just hopped on Instagram, like way, like, I don't know, eight months ago. So TikTok is like, I'll probably miss the TikTok world and then whatever is up next. Catch on catch, yeah, next. catch the next yeah, trend. We'll catch the next yeah. trend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, Emily, this has just been so lovely talking with you. I just can't thank you enough for letting us geek out over just your amazing stories and, um, just been an, an honor to get to talk with you. Yeah, thanks so much for for sharing with us. So appreciate it. your outdoor hero. We want to meet them. Share your outdoor enthusiasts and evangelists with us at wedothisforfun.com.